Today we continue, and we actually conclude, our sermon series in the book of James. And uh, I've been encouraging congregation to read through the book of James once a week. And so this would be your, your third read-through if you're, if you're tracking. And it's, uh, it's interesting because in the early church... This is what they would do. This is what they would base their entire spiritual life on. They would have a, they would have a letter. And then they, that would be the letter that would be the guiding point for what they're doing and what they're saying. It's this is what it is. This is God's word to us. This is what's encouraging us and building us and strengthening us. And so I, I encourage us to, to kind of get that early church experience by reading through the book of James um, in, in the week and, uh, and just see what God is doing. Now, there's another reason for doing it. It's because next week is our Forum Sunday where we change all of the tables around and we set up a panel at the front. And uh, sorry, Ethan, um, <laughs> another change. No, we change, all the pan- we change all the tables around. We set the panel at the front and we're going to have different discussions focused on the book of James. We're going to be discussing, we're going to pick out a verse and it's going to be a table discussion on this verse of what does it mean and, and how does and how does that happen and then we're going to have a, a, a further discussion about some of the questions that you guys may have come across as you're reading James. So what we want to encourage you is as you read through James to come up with questions and go to the uh, messages part and say, here's my question for the forum, where we're going to discuss that as a panel. We're going to say, hey, this is what God is bringing up in in people's readings, because God knows that four weeks of going through James does not do it justice. We could go through James every single Sunday for the next year and still find new material because there's so much condensed in here. So I want to see what is Holy Spirit doing in you when you're reading the Word of God? What is he bringing out? What questions? What's highlighting? What's important? And so uh, I really encourage you to engage in that. And, uh, and even during service today, if there are questions that come up, you can actually ask questions about today's service as well, and I'll answer them at the end of the uh, at the end of the service sermon today. Um, So my statement today is challenging and it's gonna come up a couple times. It It is success starts with submission and not struggle. Success starts with submission and not struggle. And we're gonna explore what James is talking about when he talks about um, when he talks about success, when he talks about how we move ahead in the Christian life. Let me open with a word of prayer that God would open up his scriptures to us and then we're going to read James chapter 4. God, you are holy. You are greater than us. We have no way of knowing you except for your revelation. You initiated, you chose, and you were pouring into us. And so today as we read your revelation through James, God, I pray that you would make yourself more known to us, make yourself more clear, and allow your Holy Spirit to do wonderful work. In Jesus' name, amen. So what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongfully to spend it on your own passions. 
you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it's no purpose that Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and let your joy be turned into gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now. You who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. What's your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, that is sin. Wow. Okay. All right. So James is laying it out there, and he's saying, this is, this is important. You need to pay attention. But what's really interesting is, is it's, he addresses something that happens so often. What causes quarrels and fights among you? I mean, when I think about my home life... And I think about the quarrels that happen at home. I think about the fights that happen at home. And and maybe, you know, your your family doesn't have them. You know, maybe maybe that's just not something that happens in your family culture, but you know, I'm working. But James says, hey, there are quarrels and there are fights that you have, and why do you have them? What's going on here? And he really tries to dig down, and he's like, what is happening? What's the source of your quarreling? And he's making some broad generalizations here so that we're able to understand it. We're able to get right involved in, in what's happening in our own lives. So we got a generalization here, but it's really good. He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So we all have passion. We all have passion, and we have passions that go in different directions. We have passions that desire different things. And so we, we find that it's like, oh, this is what I'm really passionate about. I really want to engage this. And sometimes among our community, our passions clash with others' passions. We get clashes, and we get personal clashes as well. So, so our passions are at war within us as a larger community, and our passions are at war within us as, a, as an individual. 
As an individual, I have passions that are at war with other passions. So I really, really generalization here, but you'll, you'll get it. I am really passionate about this church. I eat and sleep and breathe and think and dream about this church. And, and rightly so, because God has placed this on me, and this is, this is something that, that is, is here, and we are here, and I hope that you all share the same level of passion for this church that I do, naturally, right? <laughs> and so, so this, is, this is a passion that I have. I also have a passion at war with that passion. See... I really, it's going to sound so superficial, but you need to understand the depth of this, and it's growing as I get older. I hate winter. I said it. I said it. I hate the winter. It's, it's cold, and it's dark, and it affects my mood, and it's, I, some people love the winter, and God bless you, but I'm getting to a point where I passionately hate winter. And, and, and I want to avoid it. So my, my, my uh, in-laws are, are wonderful people. And uh, I think my father-in-law shares my passionate hatred of winter. And so he's got this wonderful place down in the Dominican. And, and he's always inviting us to go to the Dominican during the winter. And we could go. We literally could go for as long as we want. It's like, oh, we could just go, and it's warm, and it's lovely. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go to the Dominican. Is anybody with me? Like, you want to come to the Dominican with me? Yeah, praise Jesus. We're going, actually. Let's just do this. We're, we're going to go to the... No. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is, is those things are at war, because if I went to the Dominican and stayed there, then I could not invest in the passion that God has brought me here. So I actually have to... Look at, look at this. Look at how much of a murder I am now. This is good. I have to sacrifice, guys. I have to sacrifice. I have to put these passions aside. Very superficial, but it's true. There are passions that are good, that are at war within us. There are passions that are bad, that are at war within us. There are passions that we don't even understand, that are at war within us, and they cause struggles and fights. And that's what's happening. See, I want lots of nice things. I want, I want stuff, and, and, and I want to be able to, to put an expansion on my house. This is one of my core passions. Not really, but it, it's, it's something that I really want to do. And uh, my wife's already shaking her head and rolling her eyes at the same time. See, there are passions that are at war within my wife and I that, that I want a nice... Okay, guys, honestly... If I raise the roof on my living room, I get a full eastern view, ceiling to floor, glass wall view of the sunrise every morning. Come on. Come on. That's, that is a... Okay, it's completely vain and superficial. But there are passions inside of me, desires and things that I want to do and things that I want to see. And there are passions and desires inside of you that you want to do and you want to see and you want to have happen. And sometimes those passions and desires are at conflict with other passions and desires and, and, and it creates tension. It creates tension and when it's not managed well, it actually creates fights and quarrels and these passions inside of you are something that's going on and it's real. So James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So not all of our passions 
are meant to be validated. Now, that's a huge countercultural statement, but it's also a statement that we understand is true when we actually think about it. So it's a huge countercultural statement because the culture pushes us towards a narrative that says everything you desire to do is good and you should just go and do it. Pursue your passions. Go do it. But it doesn't acknowledge the deeper truth that there are passions inside of you that are at conflict inside of your relationships and also inside of your other passions. So there are things that you want to do and you're passionate about them and you care about them, but there are also things that you know that this is where my life is going. This is what God has called me out to do. And they start to become mutually exclusive. You actually start to get to discipline yourself and discipline your passions and say, this passion is one that I can allot time to. And this passion is one that I actually need to push aside and say, that passion's not going to get validated in my life right now. Because I know in my life that there are passions that I have that are simply selfish. There are passions in my life, James says right here, that, that you do not get because you want to spend it on your own passions, yourself. And then he says, you adulterous people. Wait a second. Isn't adultery like cheating on your spouse? Why would James write you adulterous people right here? Why would he be like, no, this is, this is real. This is something that we need to consider here where you have passions that go against. There are passions that should not be validated. There are passions that you have, that I have, that we share as humans that, that nope, that doesn't get to happen. There are temptations, desires, things that well up deep within us that it's like, no, no, that is going to push me against what God has for me. And this is hard to, hard to, to, to grab grasp because in our culture, all passion is good. In our culture, we're constantly taught, pursue all of your passions. Really? What if I'm passionate about stealing? No, I'm actually not joking here because, because since I was a child and when I grew up in, in, in poverty, this is a real story for me. When I grew up in poverty, I grew up recognizing money and my eyes would gravitate towards it. If there was money in a friend's house sitting on a, on a table, I wanted it. I didn't just want it. I was, divide, I was creating plans in my mind to be able to obtain it, to be able to make that disappear so that they wouldn't notice. Now, everybody in here knows that stealing is something that we don't do. Our culture still does emphasize that. We still say stealing is bad. If I were to give into that and become good at it and devote my passions to it, I could become a master thief. This is something that should not be validated. This is a passion that can come up inside of me that, that, that creates the breakdown in relationships, that creates the breakdown in trust, that creates the breakdown in, 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 the, in my future. It's stuff that I need to actually discipline myself and say, no, I'm not doing that. Sometimes it's a little bit more simple than that. I mean, 
whatever, stealing stuff, you know, resist the temptation to do bad and don't steal. Pretty easy, guys, whatever. But what about when I'm passionate about something that actually isn't building into everything else? What if I get seriously passionate about video gaming and it actually stops me from doing everything else in life? I get seriously passionate about just sitting in front of it, sitting in front of a TV, and, and this is just for entertainment. I understand there are professional gamers, and this is their job, and this is what they do. I do get that. But I'm talking about, like, you know, I'm just passionate about video gaming, and it doesn't build into anything. I want to just spend it on my own self. I want to just feel good. And so here's, here's my thing. Does that passion war with other passions that God has for you? Things in your life where, where you need to actually set that one passion aside or discipline it, compartmentalize it, say it goes here. And it doesn't go here. It gets put into this time, in this place, because if I allow it to, to pursue into every area of my life, then it will stop me from doing the things that God has called me to do. And so it becomes a hindrance, and it t- starts to tear down my life instead of building up my life. See, God has a great vision for each one of your lives and, and my life as well. God has a wonderful vision, and it's not like, oh, he set out this perfect thing, and it's like, you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this. No, he's setting passions in your life and desires in your life that are godly and that are good and there are passions that are taking away from what is good that God has for you. And James is addressing that head on and he's saying, evaluate the passions that you have. Evaluate them. Some passions are invalid because you tend to use them for yourself. So what passions need to be set aside in your own life. For me, I, I, my, my simple one of, of winter, I, obviously I set that aside. Now, I have a reason why I don't like winter. There was, I think it was about 13 years ago, I used to have to walk two kilometers to my, to my bus stop to hop on a go bus to come up to uh, Upper Canada Mall to get a job or to, to work. And I lived in Richmond Hill. And so I'd walk from Bathurst to Young Street and then from Young Street to Bathurst um, to work and then home. And about 13 years ago, there was a ridiculous winter that we had. And it was constantly below 25. And this storm, this winter storm had come up and there was, there was a lot of snow. And so I had to take my 23-minute walk and I had to walk it and get to my bus stop. And I knew it was 23 minutes. This is what happened. But this day it took me 27 minutes because of the amount of snow. And I'm standing at the bus stop and the wind is howling and just blowing and the snow is everywhere and it was just this crazy storm and I probably shouldn't have gone to work, but I didn't know if I had missed the bus. And so I stood there and I stood there and I waited an hour and 10 minutes until finally a bus came. And when I got to work, I <laughs> my, my boss is like, your ear is bleeding. I was like, what? He's like, no, your ear is actually bleeding. That's disgusting. So I'm wearing a suit because that's w- that was my uniform for work. I'm wearing this suit and my ear 
right over here is just bleeding, and this one was was starting to bleed a little bit. I found out that the times before in my life that I thought I had gotten frostbite was wrong. <laughs> oh, I didn't have frostbite those times. This is frostbite. And so my ears bleeding and whatever, and so we put a Band-Aid on it, and I, and I did work. What I didn't know about frostbite was that it actually permanently affects your nerves. So now when it goes below minus five, I feel it in my ear. So when we have a minus 30 wind chill and I gotta walk the girls to school, I'm getting really angry. <laughs> Cause I don't care what I put on my ear, I'm feeling it and it's hurting and it sucks and I don't like it. So it's, it's this increasing passion that I, that I have, but <laughs> it's something that I'm realizing that, you know what? If I followed that, that superficial passion, I would run away from the things that God has for me. Tell me if this is true. We follow the path of least resistance. We follow the path that actually leads us into the easiest way that we could live our life. It just seems to be our way. It's like, oh, you know, this is easier if I would do it this way, so I'm going to do it this way. And God's calling on your life does not always follow the path of least resistance. Sometimes there is resistance and there is struggle. Sometimes you have to push through hard things and you have to discipline yourself to say, no, what I want to do is what I need to set aside right now and what I need to do is what God is calling me to do and it is hard work and it's, and it's something that I need to struggle. Something I need to struggle through. But success, success comes from, or it starts with submission, not struggle. So we have these passions that we're fighting. Something that God is, is, is there something that God has for you that's being blocked? Are you causing disharmony in your relationships because you're pursuing a self-centered passion? Are you causing disharmony in your relationships because you're pursuing a self-centered passion? That's not, a, that's not something to, to make a person feel guilty. That's something to consider and say, what passions need to be put in check for the benefit of my community, for the benefit of my relationships, for the benefit of my spouse? What needs to be put in check? See, God opposes the proud. He says here, you know, you adulterous people. says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity towards God? What he's saying, the reason he's using that is he goes... When you pursue your own passions to spend them on yourself, you may be very well ignoring the passions that I have for you. And you're saying to God, God, whatever you did for me, I'm pursuing this. And God goes, that's adultery. That's where you say, that's where you say, God, I know that you're committed to me and, and, and I love that you're committed to me. Thank you, Jesus, for being so committed to me and pouring into my life. That's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. But really, I'm going to go do this even though you're committed to me. I'm not as committed to you as you are to me. That's why James uses strong language and he goes, that's adultery. That's adultery. You are not committed to God in the same way that God is committed to you. And, and he goes, guys, Friendship with the world, getting what you want right now for the sake of your own pleasures is not in line with God. It actually works against God because when we pursue what we want for the sake of our own pleasures, we actually make passions quarrel within us. We make passions quarrel within us. 
So God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. We really need to just go through these passions that we have in our life and maybe there's an exercise that you could do at home or maybe in your mind where you could say, God, what are the different passions that I have in my life? What's the whole scope of them? From absolutely virtuous to absolutely self-centered and narcissistic, what is, what is the scope of all of my passions? And how does that scope affect my life and what passions do I regulate away from and what ones do I invest in? You know that if you're going to invest in a passion, you're going you're gonna to actually work to get better at it. And there are passions that you have that are amazing and that are godly and you need to invest in them and you need to work on them and you need to develop them and you need to become the person that God has called you to be because he's not here to waste our lives. He's here to actually grow us strong. And so this is what is happening. God hates these things of the world because, because their self-centered passions become more important than God. Passions break relational connectivity with others when we're not careful with them. And to be self-obsessed is to ignore the example of Jesus on the cross. <laughs> to be self-obsessed is to ignore the example of Jesus on the cross. Where Jesus says, hey, I've given up everything. When I think of the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew um, 26, 36 to, to 46, picture it like this. Jesus has become fully human. And he is a person with instincts just like us. And as much as we, we like to deify Christ because he is also divine, we have to recognize that Jesus being human needed to fully grapple with the idea that he was willing to die. And so this is the story of, the, of Gethsemane. The story of Gethsemane is Jesus saying, I passionately want to live. That's natural. I passionately want to do what it takes to pursue my continued life. That's natural. And he says, but I'm going to check that passion for the greater call. I'm going to check that passion. I'm going to set that over here. And that wasn't easy. That wasn't easy. See, success starts with submission, not with struggle. If Jesus just struggled and tried to mind over matter to get to the call of God, that probably would not have been as successful as Jesus' road to success. Jesus' road to success was actually submission. God, not my will, not my, not my passionate will to pursue, to, to protect my own life, but your will be done. <sighs> If we can live our passions under this, under this heading, not my will, but your will be done, God will not oppose that. God does not oppose that. A selfish economy breaks a selfless economy. <laughs> so I, every Monday I go to Bradford High, and, uh, and it's really exciting and it's fun because I get to give out free snacks to people at Bradford High. <laughs> kind of fun. And sometimes they, s they hang out in the classroom that we give free snacks at, and we play games. So we started playing Uno. 
Uno is a wonderful game. There's a simple rule in Uno that you have all your cards. If you get told to pick up two, then you pick up from the, from the draw pile, you pick up two, and then you take your turn and you play one. Okay? Well, we decided to create some house rules, and the house rules were really simple. The house rules were like, um, we're going to, you can add on as many pickup twos as you want, and it also adds on for the next person. So if person beside me says, lays down four pickup twos, then I have to pick up eight. No problem. So I pick up eight, but I've still got two other pickup twos in my hand, so I lay them down, and now the person beside me needs to pick up 12. Well, as soon as we got around, we were picking up 43, wait, wrong, 42, 46, and, and what happened is the, the draw deck disappeared. So you shuffle, you shuffle the discard deck. Well, the discard deck is full of pickup twos. And so, you know, draw 46, sucker, I got 12 more here. Boom, you're drawing 72. So he draws 72, there's no more deck and there's only pickup twos now. And so we have now sorted the entire Uno deck to just be pickup twos. So everything is just perpetually, we completely broke the game of Uno. We broke the economy of Uno. It was something like, you, you, we actually just went, and we quit. <laughs> like, there's nothing he could do. So we broke the economy of Uno. We made the game not work. In God's vision for humanity, selfishness breaks the economy. Selfishness says, my number one value right now, my passion is more important than your passion, and therefore I'm going to get what I want and it breaks the economy, it breaks God's economy. And so what God teaches us here is he says, no, 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 when you've got something here, success starts with submission, not struggle. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. What we need to do is we need to say, God, here are all of my passions. I've outlined them from absolutely virtuous to absolutely narcissistic. And when culture tells me that all my passions are okay, I submit them up to you. And I say, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, not what I want, not my pursuit. Your passion first, God. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Let it be done here on earth. Your will first. And everything else then slots underneath because not all my passions are meant to be validated. They're meant to be submitted. Now, when God gives you that thing and you're just, he's like, pursue this passion. You pursue it with everything you've got. You struggle against absolutely everything. And you say, I'm tossing off every, everything that, that hinders me. I'm throwing it aside because I'm going to pursue the one passion that God has set for me. And you live with a deep focus on the passion that God has for you. And then you start to see success. Then you start to see the things happen that God's like, yeah, I'm blessing that. I'm growing into that. I'm building it because God says that he will oppose the proud, but give grace to the humble. And he says, when you humble yourself before the Lord, he will exalt you. You will be lifted up. When you get that passion piece correct, he will say, now, 
You got it. Now you go. You are the person that I've created you to be and you will be lifted up and you will be built into and your life will be the abundant type of life that God promised in the first place. So we start with submission to God. Evaluate your passions. Lift them up to God and say, God, this is for you. Here's where it came to in my life when I started doing it. I actually have a constant prayer and some of you know it already. My constant prayer is, God, you have my entire life as a resource for your kingdom. Whatever you want is yours. And if you want to waste my life, that's your problem. If you want to waste my life, that's your problem. But I don't believe that God wants to waste any of our lives. And I've learned to start to do that with this church. God, this is your church. We are committed to do your work in your way. If you want to waste this church, that's your problem. But I don't believe that God built this church to waste it. Anybody with me? (laughs) I don't believe that God built this church to waste it. We will one thing. We will the glory of God and and we surrender to him. God gives us so much grace to become successful. I'm going to, con- um, there's a way it applies actually in verse 13 to 17. Story of the business person. Here's what it is. The story of the business person, he just went out and he was like, I'm just going to pursue this passion. I'm going to make a profit. The correction was not, oh, you can't make a profit. That's, that's ungodly. No, the correction was submit it to God first. The correction in the verse is submit it to God first. If the Lord wills, then I will do this and I will do that. He didn't say, oh, no, you can't do that. That's No, no, no. No, he said, check what the passion is. Submit it to God. Oh, now the Lord wills it? Yeah, go. Go make that profit. Go do what you need to do because that's the one that I'm calling you out to. And so my, my challenge that comes from the book of James today is, is to see our success as starting with, sub, starting with submission and not with struggle. But, man, it's a struggle once we've submitted we go, okay, I'm holding on to that now. Now I'm holding on to it. And you never let go. I'm going to check for some uh, text messages. And, uh, and we, okay, cool. So we got a big, like, zero, which is awesome. Um, it means that I was so captivating that nobody thought of writing a text message. That's good. <laughs> um, what, where we go here is, is Devin, if you want to come forward. My job as a pastor is not to tell us what to do. That's not my job. My job is to allow you to see scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of you and to say, what is God leading you to do? And how does God do this in your life? What are the passions that you get to put towards God? And God is great. He is worth all of our focus. And so if there's, all, if there's one thing that we do here at Promise Church, and I pray that we do it well, is to allow people to recognize the presence of God so that it can transform our life. And so in, as we close today, I actually just want to sing. We're going to sing How Great Is Our God. And, uh, and I just want us to sing and just leave today with our focus solely placed on how great God is, on how wonderful he is, on how, on how wonderful his life is for us. And so I invite you all to stand. God, I pray that, that as we turn our eyes to you, that you would do work in us that comes from your greatness, that comes from a great vision of life for us, It comes from a wonderful promise that you will make all things right and you will remove the quarreling. 
You will allow us to live in a selfless economy that doesn't get broken all the time. And we know that right now that isn't our full reality. But we look forward to what you're doing. And we worship you because you are great. What you're doing is great. And we offer it all up to you in Jesus' name.